0: The following program was pre-recorded. On WFAN, it's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning. Welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton, you're with us for the next 30 minutes of Frank Open Honest Conversation about gambling addiction And joining me now from Florida is another and fellow gambler in recovery. This is Rob. Rob, good morning. How are you today? Hey, good morning, Craig. How you doing? Doing great. I really appreciate your time. As we always start off these shows, if you don't mind sharing, when was your last wager?
1: Uh, My last wager was uh, May thirtieth of two thousand
0: three. Oh, so more than twenty years in recovery. That's awesome. Congratulations on that.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: Let's uh, let's go back a little bit in time. Um, Do you remember? With the clarity you have now when you were f- first exposed to gambling and well before it became a problem for you?
1: Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, actually, it, it all started, as I hear many times on the show, for me it all started with baseball cards uh, back when I was in the fifth grade. Uh, it was a big thing to flip cards back then, and uh, everybody, all the guys were collecting the uh, baseball cards. And uh, we'd be flipping before school and after school, and I became obsessed with it. Um, I I just couldn't get enough of it. I would just be, uh, I couldn't stop until I won. <laughs> until
0: would you, I won. Just out of curiosity, you know, I didn't realize that that was a form of gambling until I had a gambling problem as an adult. And someone said, by the way, you were kind of indoctrinated into gambling because you used to you know, flip and trade baseball cards. Same deal for you? Yeah,
1: exactly the same deal. It's just uh, the same as with gambling as an adult. It's just you can't get enough. You can't stop until right. you win. No win is big enough, and I had to have all the cards. So, Anybody had, I
0: had to. In, yeah. in, in fairness to not knowing that that was gambling, were you exposed to more traditional gambling, horse racing, cards, you know, sports, uh, parlay cards in elementary school, any of that kind of stuff?
1: Uh, yeah. As, as far as the, uh, the sports, the football tickets, my dad used to play. Uh, they used to have these uh, – long sheets of paper with all the games on there, and you paid the dollar um, yep. to bet on the games. And uh, my dad showed that to me, and he actually uh, told me that a friend of his, if I wanted to sell them in school, uh, that I could make 25 cents on each dollar that I made. So awesome. I didn't know anything about the teams back then, but I knew that if uh, if I could get people to buy these sheets from me, I'd make 25 cents uh, you know, for each sheet. Yeah, so, and that um, would
0: give you money to go to the store and buy more baseball cards with, right? 100% crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: my whole life was baseball cards when I was in the 5th grade. You know, it's
0: crazy. I, I, as you're talking, I'm just reminiscing in my own head. And I remember playing those football parlay cards, we called them. No joke, in elementary school. And it was it was the norm. It was the thing like the same guy you'd buy fireworks from was the same guy you'd get your parlay cards from and your you know, $5 bags of oregano. Yeah, it was always this, There was always like the go-to guy that had whatever vice you were into at the time, in the late 1970s at least. There was one guy who was like the Walmart of bad things, you know what I mean? Right, right, I know. So wh- how old were you when, as you look back on it, gambling became a bigger part of your life?
1: Uh, you know, I, I'll tell you, the first real gambling I did was uh, at Church Bazaar. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in the Catholic Church, a strict Catholic home, and I uh, used to work at the church bazaar. And they used to have these uh, before there was scratch offs. There was the um, the cards that you pulled pulled off, and they had bells or right. cherries or something like that. And the first time I did that, I was hooked on it, and I couldn't stop doing it. So I took all my money. I went home, found whatever money was around the house, and I'd go back to the church bazaar, and I would be playing these things. Um, I actually worked at the church bazaar at some kind of dime toss, and I'd be I'd wind up stealing money from there so that I could play these these uh, <sighs> pull-offs.
0: And how, how old a kid were you at that point? I
1: was in the sixth grade. Wow.
0: So so you really started young, like well well ahead of your time, well before you were earning your own money or had a job or a family or any of that stuff. Yeah, and and the thing is,
1: Craig, I I didn't understand. What was going on? I just knew I couldn't stop. You know, at that age, you don't know what Hmm. gambling is. You don't know what compulsion is. And I I just could not stop myself from doing this until I ran out of money. But
0: but you're 12 years old. So I'm wondering, did uh, your mom or dad or a relative or a big brother, anyone ever come up to you as a younger man or even going into your teenage years and say, hey, Rob, what's going on? Uh, You're spending an awful lot of time at the church bazaar. Right.
1: No, no. Unfortunately, my parents both worked at the Church Bazaar. My mom was dealing blackjack. My dad was dealing poker. Um, Neither one of them were big gamblers. My dad never gambled. Uh, And my mom used to play bingo, go to Atlantic City once a month. So um, but uh, gambling wasn't a big part of my growing up. But unfortunately, alcohol was. Got it. And, and, uh, you know, my dad had a a drinking and anger problem and uh, we butted heads a lot. And um, that made things really bad for me, where I was always looking for an escape.
0: Was the escape for you more drinking than gambling, or did they just go hand in hand?
1: Uh, For me? Yeah. Uh, For me, well, I started out just drinking at an early age, because that's what I knew. That's what my dad did. That's what my older brothers did. I had Two older brothers a year or two older than me. And um, that's just what you did in my neighborhood growing up. Back then, uh, bartenders would serve you at the age of 14. So right. for, for me, it started, it, it was all about staying out of the house, staying away from my father. And um, so I would be out at the bars. I'd be out on the streets, getting in fights. Uh, you know, it all, all of that led to my next uh, phase, which would be the gambling.
0: I'm sure we could talk to you for a long time today and get into all of it. Unfortunately, you know, there's only 30 minutes. Give sure. me a fast-forward version of your life To where gambling became everything to you, bad decisions, financially, relationship-wise. And when you look back on your life, having not gambled now for more than 20 years, at what point in your life do you look back and go, boy, that's really when it started becoming a serious problem?
1: Right, sure. When I was 20 years old, I was in college. I was bartending in college. I was living on my own. I got thrown out of the house at 18. Uh, another bartender friend of mine said he's going to Puerto Rico. If I wanted to come with them, they have casinos there. I was never in a casino, so I said, "Sure, I'll go with you." I took $300 with me. First time in the casino, never gambled in a casino before. Started playing some blackjack. Within an hour and a half, the $300 was gone. Right. I couldn't stop myself from gambling, and you know, afterwards, I just said, "What the hell just happened?" I, I just could not stop myself from gambling. Uh, then I went back to New York and I was uh, as I was bartending, a friend of mine came in and just uh, said, hey, can you put on the uh, the basketball game? I got money on it. I'm like, what do you mean you have money on it? He goes, I'm betting on the game. And uh, he introduced me to the bets. And next thing you know, I'm making twenty five dollar bets. I said, you can make money betting on basketball. I said, nobody knows basketball better than me. Right, you know, thinking that right. I started betting twenty-five dollar bets, and that was the time. That was the point where my gambling took off.
0: I know to a lot of people, it sounds like no big deal—twenty-five bucks. You know, you know, you, who can't swing twenty-five bucks? But the reality is, what it was doing to you on the inside—you were becoming obsessive about it, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. The tw- I, I couldn't wait to make another bet, and then I said, "Could I make two bets?" He said, "Yes, yeah, sure." And uh, here I am, making minimum wage bartending out of college. And not making much money, but I'm. And of course, unfortunately for me, I was winning at first. I said, "Boy, this is so easy. I right. don't even have to work." And then the twenty-five dollars became fifty, fifty became a hundred, and then for the next uh, ten plus years, I was just gambling like a maniac.
0: Before we take a break, and we will get to the good stuff and recovery. Uh, walk me through kind of the bad moments in life as an adult, uh, married, not married, family. When gambling really took a hold of you, can you give us an idea what would a, an, an average or regular day be for you from a standpoint of time spent on gambling, talking about gambling, thinking about gambling, and actually gambling? What, what was a normal day like for you?
1: A uh, normal day for me was uh, for, for the next 10 years after what I just mentioned to you, I'd be working seven days a week in order to, to pay for my habit. I would be bartending. I would be driving trucks. I would be driving funeral cars. Um you just you just wake up and uh you just look at how much you won or lost, usually lost the night before, and then um all you're thinking about is that night. Uh do I have do I have enough uh leeway with the bookie that he'll let me bet? Uh you start looking at what games you're making the bets, then I'm just going to work. It was just a vicious cycle. Seven days a week I was working, seven days a week I was gambling. Um I had a. I was introduced to a bookie. He would let me have a bet up to like ten thousand dollars. This is somebody That's who's a making lot. minimum wage, right. making a few, few hundred dollars a week, and um, you know. But when you win, they keep letting you bet, and when you lose, you can lose until uh, until you hit your limit. And I will tell you, the only peace of mind I ever had, Craig, was when I hit my limit, because then I'd, I'd owe ten thousand dollars, and he would give me whatever time to pay it back. Thank God, he never pressured me. But the only peace of mind I ever had was during those moments when I wasn't allowed to bet.
0: Did you ever have a conversation with yourself when you were tapped out and it's 10 grand that you can't pay, but you know you can't gamble now because you have no credit left with the bookie and you're going to take months to pay him off. Was there ever a conversation looking in the mirror or going to bed saying, come on, Rob, you got to stop. You're losing all this money. You're working your ass off this isn't healthy, or did you not have those kind of self-talks?
1: I had those self-talks every single day, but I just could not stop myself. I would just cry. I would just say, why can't I stop doing this? This is no kind of life. I cannot stop myself. I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know there was a place to turn. Right. I was just so distraught, and uh, I, I had no kind of life. Every relationship was ruined by my gambling, all my friendships. Uh, you know, I was always the life of the party. Uh but nobody knew what I was going through inside. I was just struggling so much. I didn't know I didn't know how to live a normal life. Um were you depressed you know, at any point towards the end before you stopped? Oh sure, sure. I, I was absolutely depressed. Uh you know, when you don't know where to go. Um, you know, in Gambler Anonymous they say it will restore you to a normal way of thinking and living. And that always struck me because I never had A normal way of thinking and living right how is it going to restore me to it so i needed to totally rebuild myself did you ever once i got into ga
0: did you ever get to a place and i'm sure this is personal where you contemplated it's too much i don't want to wake up tomorrow um no because when i when i got to the uh when i got to the point where
1: i knew i needed to stop i'll tell you more about that if, Mm -hmm. if you want to know uh i i i had a child at that time and because of my childhood, there was never any thought of doing something bad to myself. I knew that I had to be there for my children. I knew I wanted them to have a good life, a better life than I had. So there was no way I was ever going to do that. Um, but until I got into GA, you know, I didn't know how to how to go about that.
0: So what was the bottom of the barrel moment? Was it the positivity of having a child or did something happen? You know, what made you ultimately say, all right, I'm going to GA, I'm going to go get help, I'm going to tell somebody what's going on. Was there a bad moment, a bad night, a bad weekend, anything like that take place?
1: Yeah, there sure was, Craig. Um, I'm a retired first responder uh, in New York, so uh, after 9-11, going through everything there, I won't get into too much of that, just uh, every day just going down there, going to funerals and uh, just dealing with the aftermath of that. Uh, There was a plane crash in the Rockaways, which I was a part of uh, in recovery there. Um, I lost uh, you know in in 19 uh, in 2001 um, 2002 in January I lost my dad the next month I lost my best friend I was spiraling, spiraling out of control. Um, and then I, I eventually uh, you know I had uh, I had my son in 2001 and um, you know things just progressively got worse. You couldn't love a person more than I love my child but this disease was just, so much that it didn't matter. I was still out there gambling. And it came to a head in um, in, in 2003. Uh, in March, my mom was diagnosed with um, cancer. And right from that point, I I went outside. I called my wife who was in, uh, in the Midwest visiting her mom. And she told me, I told her my mom has six months to live. And she said, my mom's heart just stopped. I'm at the hospital with her. So it was all just things piling on. And at that point I just went out to to the casino in Connecticut and I just proceeded to lose a lot of money. My wife stayed out uh, Midwest for another week. I lost more money. And then um, at that point, a couple of months later uh, the low point was she just came into the room uh, as I was on the phone, trying to borrow, borrow money. Uh, My wife was uh, seven months pregnant at the time. And, um, She just said, have you been gambling? And I just looked at her. And Craig, I always say it was the best and the worst day of my life.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I was destroying this woman. And yet at the same time, it was the most freeing thing ever. And I just looked at her and I just said, yes, I've been gambling. And um, the thing I'll never forget, Craig, is I looked at my beautiful wife, a small town girl, and with, with my baby girl in her belly, seven months pregnant. She never looked more beautiful. And I just destroyed her. Yeah. And I, I, she could have had a miscarriage because of that. Mm. And uh, all, all because of my actions. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> I still have trouble forgiving myself for that. But I knew at that point, I, Greg, the skies opened up. The epiphany you talk about a lot in this program. That was my epiphany. I, it was just like I dropped an atom bomb and I looked back at the damage that I did. And I just said, oh, my God, what did I do? And from that point on. I said, whatever I have to do at this point, I didn't know if I was gonna save my marriage, but I knew I was always gonna have children and I had to be there for them. So from that point on, I got into GA a couple of days later. My wife said, there's a meeting on Friday, you're going. Thankfully, she never left me. She gave me a chance and I I never looked back. And, uh, you know, life has progressively gotten better. It was not easy at first. It took a lot of uh, making up to do with my wife. But my kids, it's just been a, a great life for my children because I stopped gambling.
0: I got chills listening to that. Let me take a quick break. We'll continue on. Appreciate you opening up in this matter, Rob. This is Rob, and it's Hello, My Name is Craig on WFAN. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Uh, happy to have Rob, uh, Gambler in Recovery down in Florida, joining us, telling us a very moving story. I should mention that Dan Trelara is traveling today, so he'll be back with us again next week with, uh, with Epic. Rob, before I get to the good stuff in recovery and how life is amazing right now, I've said on the show a lot of times that My my, For me, I've not gambled in over five years, and I I know I'm not going to gamble today. I feel very strong about that. And I am proud of the fact that it's been five and a half years, actually, at this point, without gambling. But I haven't come to terms yet with why I stopped. My kids were always important to me. My wife was always important to me, family, my job, all the things I'd worked so hard for and was uh, fortunate enough to accomplish in my life I threw all that stuff into the curb, into the gutter, and I gambled because I just had this insatiable desire, you know, and obviously compulsion to gamble. And then one day, kind of like you, I woke up and I said, that's it, I'm done, I can't do it anymore. And I'm gonna now be a better man, a better father, a better husband, and I'm gonna get help because I'm willing to put my ego aside and acknowledge that I'm out of control. But I don't know why I made that decision. You know, the day I made that decision, was frankly no different than the day before when I didn't make that decision. And I'm wondering for you, when you look back on it, as you try to reconcile that day when your wife came home and she's pregnant with your second child, what it was about that day that made you decide, okay, now I'm going to dedicate my life to being healthy and getting help. Have you ever reconciled that? Uh, Yeah, Craig, the, the disease was just so strong you could cut it with a knife that's how
1: real it was and just just the fact that my wife finally uh, somebody caught me you know i'm not a hero i, I was caught that's why i right stopped.
0: because you lived your life lying through your teeth for sure right what's that i'm sorry you lived your life as a complete liar when it came to a lot of things that you were doing because you were hiding the fact that you were gambling in the manner you were gambling Right 100% right. it's
1: all it's all about lying and yep. being able you don't want anybody to get in the way of your next bet Right It's um it's so hard to explain to people who aren't compulsive gamblers but I I just could not stop myself like I said the love for my children and my wife it was so big but it wasn't big enough to stop gambling Sure but once I once I was caught like I said it, it was just an epiphany for me where I just said oh my god what am I doing I'm going to and I always say this that I have a right to ruin my life. I didn't have a right to to ruin my my,
0: my wife's life and my children's life. No, so. I I appreciate the emotion. I do. I really do. And I can relate to it. I think anyone who has ever suffered from any addiction, not just gambling, and knows exactly what you're going through right now. And it doesn't matter if it's 20 years you know, or two weeks. Uh, the emotions are real because you recognize that while well, you were doing your thing, while I was doing my thing... You leave this wake of of you know destruction behind you, and you don't care about it until the day you wake up and you do care. And when you start recognizing, and I'll just speak for myself, all the destruction, like a tornado behind you that you just didn't care about at all because you're being so selfish and egotistical and lying right. to the world, it is overwhelming. I'm not a crier. But I can tell you that, you know the day that I took ownership of having a problem, it was almost like I also lifted up this weird cloud that allowed me to be a normal person when it came right. to your sharing emotions, your feeling emotions, and not being ashamed of having tears rolling down your face. I can't tell you to this day how many times I'm driving on Route 78 going back home to New Jersey, and I'll see a stupid video on TikTok, or I'll hear a commercial, and I will have tears streaming down my face. I like, You know, it's crazy. And for all those years, you know, I stifled all those emotions. Um, uh, What do you do, and I try to talk about this from time to time, with all the free mental space you have now that you're not gambling? Because for me, it was overwhelming when I finally committed myself to living a gambling-free life, just how much of my brain and emotions and, you know, just, you know, waking moments of the day were dedicated to gambling in some way shape or form how did you replace all that free space in your brain
1: craig that's a great question um yeah that that was a big problem uh, it, it's a problem for most compulsive gamblers now because i was thinking about gambling every waking hour right. and when i was sleeping i was dreaming about it so what even though it's such something so negative and so harmful to you it takes up your whole life in your mind so now when you stop gambling There's nothing there. What are you supposed to do with that? Right. And uh, thankfully for me, I had, uh, you know, just newborns at home and I had my job and um, just every waking hour. I would just dedicate it to my children. If if I wasn't working, I was raising my children. I was able to have a lot of time raising my kids. And uh, that's all I did. I was going to meetings. I was going to work and I was taking care of my kids. Thankfully, I was able to have that. And um, now, as I spoke to you earlier, uh, before we got on, my children are both in college, and now I'm suffering through that again, Uh, the empty space. What do you do with that? For people like us, that's not a healthy thing. So I've really, uh, since I moved down to Florida, I've really uh, gotten more into the program. I'm going to uh, four meetings a week. I'm on the phone, uh, 10 phone calls a day I do. I'm sponsoring a bunch of people, and it's just so gratifying now to be able to help people. Uh, people who, who um, are, we, we have so many young people down here coming into the program. We have older people, 70-plus, coming into the program. And it's just, uh, that's what I fill my time with now down here. I think it's great. Uh, I, I've said school.
0: on this show many times, Rob, that yeah, I hated GA, hated it with a passion. I, I went to a dozen rooms until I found a room that I just personally felt comfortable in. I'll never forget, there was an older man, probably in his mid to late 60s, uh, who always had, you know, wise advice, you know, when you speak in these GA rooms. And I went up to him over, you know, donuts and hot chocolate one day. And he had been in recovery for like 40 years. Like, he had a beat, man. He had a conquered. And I asked right. him the question, because, you know, I was still relatively new to GA and and to recovery. And I said, man, it's been 40-whatever years since you last made a wager. Why in the world do you still take an hour out of your Saturday morning to come to this little church in New Jersey and sit in the basement and drink bad coffee and have a couple donuts, you know, with complete strangers. Like, you got it, you beat it, you won. And he said, the reason I haven't gambled in 40-whatever years is because I still come to this room. And for a guy who had lived it, like we all lived it, the fact that, you know, it meant that much to him that, you know, for you, 20-plus years later, you're still an active member in GA, I would think, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, that you feel somewhat similar to that gentleman.
1: Yeah, Craig, absolutely. Um, Listen, you never say you're never going to gamble again, but I'm not going to gamble again. And I feel confident in that. It's never a guarantee, of course. But people helped me when I came into the program, uh, when my wife wasn't speaking to me, when I had nobody, when I was lost. There were people there helping me. And I needed that. I needed I needed a shoulder. And and GA gave me a shoulder. And I know the people coming into the program now, no matter what age, they need the same thing. I'm a very loyal person. I understand what these people are going through. And I just want to be there for people. That's, uh, you know, that's my life now. It's, uh, I used to be a, a wild, exciting guy. I always say now I'm just a boring guy living a really nice life.
0: By the way, me and you both, I might be the most boring guy on the, <laughs> on the planet right now. Uh, before right. I let you go, and I can't thank you enough for coming on, you know, there's a lot of people that listen to this show that are where you were, you know, 20 plus years ago where I was about six years ago, and it's day one, it's step one. And they're nervous, and they don't want to go into a GA room. They don't want to admit to anyone that they have a problem. But they've at least internally taken ownership. Okay, I've got a problem. I'm willing to admit it. I'm going to throw my ego aside. I'm, I'm going to go get help because I need help. And for those people, a lot of those people, like you and I experienced, and everyone has experienced at some level of recovery, it was, I can't possibly do this. There's no way I'm never going to gamble again. There's no way I'm going to go to a GA room, ba blah ba 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 What do you say to the person that is at step one of this journey where it is overwhelming, where the walls are caving in and they're not quite sure how they get to where I'm at or where you're at? What do you say to that person or that person's family or their loved ones?
1: Well, I tell the person, I said, hopefully that they're at their rock bottom right now. And all I can tell them, you've been trying for so many years to stop gambling. I think you proved to yourself that your way doesn't work. Try GA way. Give it a shot. Your way hasn't worked over and over and over again when you tried to stop. Try it the GA way. It's worked for me for over 20 years. It's worked for some of these guys for over 40, 50 years. Just if you're at at your rock bottom, give it another try somebody else's way, GA's way. And, um, you know, hopefully that sinks into them. I tell them, don't think about not gambling for the next 10 years. Right. Think about not gambling for today. If you can get through today, wake up tomorrow and try to get through tomorrow. It's a one-day-a-day pro uh, day program. Uh, you know that, Craig. So th- that, that's all I try to stress to them, and that if you do what GA says, the program says, your life will get better. It's not going to happen overnight, but it will get better. And a lot of gamblers think that it's a money problem. It's not a money problem. The money will come. We're all workers like you. You've worked so hard. You've made so much money. It doesn't matter how much you made if you're gambling.
0: Right, because it all goes right out the window. I I remember even before I took ownership of having a problem, I'm friends with a gentleman down in Florida, ironically, who uh, was celebrating his 85th birthday. And unfortunately, his wife had taken her own life. And we were trying to celebrate his birthday kind of under the specter of you have know, this horrendous life event that took place, right? And I remember he pulled me aside, and he said, I want to give you one piece of advice. And this was not a gambler. It had nothing to do with gambling at all, right? And he said, you can always make more money, but you can't make more time. And it struck me in the moment what a, a profound statement that was. But now that I'm in recovery, and I'm enjoying my life without gambling And I've reconnected and I've rebuilt a lot, but not all, of the relationships I ruined. And I'm certainly still in, you know, financial, you know, uh, mess uh, right now. But I'm getting through it. Those words have remained like, you know, tattooed on my brain. That the money will come and go. If you want to work, you can make a dollar, right? But you got to value the time you have because as cliche as this might be, the time is so short. And that's why I smile every single day. Like, I'm blessed to have a second chance. And I can say, I think on behalf of you as well, Rob, that as bad as it might seem right now in the moment, and it is bad. Look, I gave up my freedom. They're not worse than that. It is bad. If you're willing to own the problem, and if you're willing to admit to other people that you have a problem, you can get to a place where life is very much worth living where there are great joys in waking up every single morning. And while you may not repair every relationship because you burn a lot of bridges and you may not ever get back to the financial level you were at, man, life can be really, really good. And I'm a living testament to that. And I know you are too. And I can't thank you enough for coming on today's show and sharing your personal story.
1: Craig, thanks so much for having me, and I appreciate so much what, you, what you're what you doing for people with this program. God bless you.
0: Be well. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks again, Rob. Take care. Thank you, Craig. Wow, that was awesome. And uh, that's the point of this show, uh, my attempt at least, as we are now into year four of Hello, My Name is Craig, to try our best to humanize the addict. You know, it's easy to make fun uh, of addicts, especially gambling addicts. As I always say, one of my pet peeves is that When it comes to gambling, we're considered degenerates. We're not. We're regular people who unfortunately fell prey to a power far greater than what we could handle. But if we're willing to put our egos aside and acknowledge that we do have a problem, I'm telling you, man, there is help out there for us and for you. And I hope this show helps you even just a little bit. Or if you have someone in your life that you think is struggling, you know, pick up the phone and call them and see how they're doing. You might save their life. Coming up next is Joe Beningo. Dan Trelaw is back with us next week. And as we are now into week two of year four, which is awesome, that we have this great platform to do this show, I can't thank you enough for listening and making Hello, My Name is Craig a part of your weekend. Enjoy the rest of the programming for the day. Joe Benningo next on WFAN.